Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. Uh, we, as Peyton mentioned, we are continuing in our series on the whole disciple. Uh, this past week, I read a, a quote that I thought was really good. Uh, it says, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Think about that. It's becoming what Jesus would be if he were you. And in this series, we're talking about the whole disciple. We're not talking about being more religious. We're not talking about, you know, finding maybe one or two things that we would, you know, Jesus does that maybe we think we would like to do. We're talking about trying to transform our lives every day into being more and more like Christ. And so this week, we're going to look at a new subject. It's talked about good stewards. And it's one that some Christians, they've either forgotten about at times, or sometimes it's maybe you feel like you had never heard it before. And when we talk about stewardship, it's not exactly a word that we use every day, is it? I mean, when you go to your, your office, when you go to work and other things, I mean, you don't sit around talking about stewardship, more than likely, probably some of you do. But for most of us, like, what in the world does that even mean? And for some people, they think, oh, I know what this is about. This is when churches talk about giving. This is when they talk about church budgets and, and, and building programs and things of that sort. And yes, that can be, and it certainly is, a part of that. But we're going to see that if we want to be the whole disciple, that we need to understand what that means. Because there is an entirety of what God talks about in being stewards. And while we don't talk about it, maybe, or maybe it's not a word we hear very often, we know Jesus talked about it often, and the biblical writers talked about it often. Now, by definition, a steward is simply a household servant who managed the household affairs for the head of the family. Great example is Joseph in Genesis. Remember Joseph? Sold by his brothers into slavery. You know, you think you've got bad siblings. <laughs> uh, but anyway, sold into slavery, and eventually he was bought by this Egyptian officer by the name of Potiphar. If you know the story, we know that God blessed him. Even in that, that terrible situation he was in, God made him successful. And then it says something that really defines for us this overall idea of stewardship. And it says in Genesis 39, verse 4, So Joseph found favor in Potiphar's sight and attended to him, and he made him, here it is, overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. That is a great working definition of what a steward is. Biblical stewardship can be defined as a manager of a household. So God has blessed us with all of these wonderful things in our lives. God has blessed us with the world in which we live in. And what we find is that we are, he's placed us as these managers, these it's overseer of all of these great blessings. And we are to use them for his glory. We are to use him to better his creation. Dr. Bill Peel, he is the founder of what's called uh, the... Uh, founding executive director of the Center for Faith and Work at Letourneau University, 
and really he deals with people in the workplace and their Christ, you know, Christianity and so forth. But he, he points out these four principles that make up the stewardship. And I read those and I thought, this is really good. And so that became kind of the template for what I'm going to be talking about for today. And here's the first one. And listen, if you missed the first one, you might as well forget about the rest of them. Because the first one is the very foundation, and it's the principle of ownership. It is the principle of ownership. And guess how far back we have to go in order to find something about what the Bible says about this principle of ownership. All the way back to the very first page of the Bible, the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as our creator, he owns everything. You hear me? He owns everything. He made it all. And the psalmist really kind of points it out even a little bit more for us. He says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and who else? Those who dwell therein. It's the Lord's. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Whose world is it? It's the Lord's, right? Listen, you got to get this point. It's so very important. After the creation of man, what does God do? He, he, he makes this... He plants this garden in Eden, and he puts man there for the purpose to work it, to keep it. In other words, to be stewards over creation. And so what we find here is this fundamental principle is that God owns everything, and we are managers. We are administrators over his creation. Discipleship, what is it about? It is about placing our whole lives under the rule of Christ. That's it. If you want to be a disciple, then that's what it's about. And if you believe that, then you believe this first principle. God owns everything. Now, you got to get that. The second principle... Uh, is this, whoops, the principle of responsibility. So we've been made these managers, we've been made these overseers of God's creation and God's world and all of these things there. So that means there's responsibility, right? If somebody puts you in charge of something, for Joseph, he is in charge of Potiphar's house. He's in charge of everything in that house. He's in charge of his field, is what it says. And he, therefore, he is responsible for those things. In the Garden of Eden... We see this, that, that man was charged to work it, to keep it. You have a responsibility. Adam and Eve are responsible for filling the earth. You remember that? That's, that's still first page of the Bible kind of stuff. And he says you're to fill the earth. In other words, you're to take this wonderful creation order, this beautiful order that is found in Eden, and to expand its boundaries. You're responsible for doing those things. They were to execute God's will on his behalf because they are his image bearers, right? Made in his image. They are the image bearers. Therefore, they are to act upon creation and act upon these things in the character of God. So how would God do these things? Think of it in that way. Now, I really love this, uh, this quote by Dr. Peel. 
He says, although God gives us all things richly to enjoy, and that comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17, nothing is ours. All right, here's ownership. Nothing really belongs to us. God owns everything. We are responsible for how we treat it and what we do with it. And while we complain about our rights on earth, the Bible constantly asks, what about your responsibilities? Owners have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. Hmm. wonder if there's anything about that that would help us in our world right now. <laughs> How much have we talked about our rights? Whether it be what's associated with this virus that's out there, or over the last couple of weeks after, you know, uh, Texas made the, uh, passed this abortion law. These are just a couple of examples, but we hear it all the time. It's my rights. But very few people talk about their responsibility to humanity. Very few people talk about their responsibility to human life. What are we called to do? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, 2, verses 3 and 4, he says, listen, here's your responsibility. Look after the interests of others, and not just look after it, but look at it more than you look after your own interests. And if you know anything about Philippians chapter 2, this is all piggybacking off of Jesus and what he did. God. And he emptied himself. He left the heavenly places. In order to come to this earth, he took responsibility to save us. And he put our interests over his own. And so what we are called to do in being disciples of Jesus is to put other people's interests above our own. We want people who are a part of this church, and this is part of our church covenant, who are servants who use what God has given them and blessed them with to serve other people. And instead of hearing about all our rights, we need to hear more about what is my responsibility. I'll tell you, and I've mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again, over this past year and a half, we've seen some difficulties. And we, there have been people who have left us for their rights. You didn't like some of the rules that had to be made, and therefore, it's my right, and you're violating my right, so we'll go somewhere else. That's why I love this church and who we are right now more than I ever have in my 12 years here. Because I look around and I see these faces, and I see people who said, I have a responsibility to these people and they need me right now and I need them right now more than ever because there's a pandemic out there. There's all kind of craziness out there with politics. There's all kind of craziness out there with all these rioting and everything else. And what I need right now is I need them and they need me. And I'll tell you, I'll never forget you. It, it's, it's one of the hardest and one of the most wonderful things that happened to us over the last year and a half. And so I say that to you because, because you've seen it.
and you've been here with us. We have responsibilities, folks. We have responsibilities to our families. That's why after this series, we're going to go into a series, Peyton and I, on marriage. Because there's responsibilities that we have. And, and it goes beyond marriage. It also, you know, we're responsible for our children. We're responsible for our aging parents. We're responsible, according to Genesis, for the earth. Listen, caring for the earth is not a political issue, folks. It's not about one party and what they say over another party. Listen, we ought to genuinely care about our environment. We ought to care. We, listen, you can do very simple things. The simplest thing you can do is recycle, <laughs> okay? That's like the simplest thing you can do. But, you know, you can volunteer for cleanup days. You can, you know, you can use energy-efficient products when you can. You can plant trees. There are other things you can do, but we ought to care about our about our environment and about the earth that God has given to us, period. And the animal kingdom, you know, that's part of God's creation. We ought to care about these beautiful animals that roam the earth. I have no problem with people who hunt and they use it for food and things like that, especially if they bring me meat, hint, hint. Uh, but... But, I, but I, I have a real problem, and I think we should have a real problem when, when we're just killing animals for sport. Just to use the tusks for a certain thing. You know, I'm a little... I like elephants. <laughs> but, but, but using things for, you know, for various things. I think we ought to care about those things. God has given us these wonderful, beautiful creatures of the earth. And we have a responsibility for caring for those things. What's humane? What's inhumane? And, and not just that, how we, how we take care of our animals even. You know, I mean, all of those things, they're, they're very important. But disciples of Christ, we also are responsible for our church family. This is what I've already talked about. And get this, you're going to love this. Guess what elders are called? Overseers. Folks, that is a stewardship term. In fact, he even says, for an overseer, who are what? They're God's stewards. They're God's stewards over you. And when he says, look, here are some qualifications in finding these kinds of, of men in the church. And one of those is, how does he manage his own household? Because if he doesn't manage his household very well, how is he going to manage the household of God? Right? So he's telling us they're stewards. And one of the qualifications is how they've been stewards in other things. Yeah. And so that's why in our church covenant, we say, look, you ought to respect the leadership not because they are some kind of kings that they're better than you but simply because they are trying to to be good stewards of this church and of you and everything that's happening in your life they they're here for you and we ought to love them rather than fight against them and we say listen you want to be a part of this church this is what it's about this is one of the things that it's about Preachers, we're stewards of God's Word. That's why it's important for, for Peyton and I to get in our offices and wherever it may be, and we just, we, don't, we, just, we study this book because we are held accountable for how we manage God's Word. You're not accountable to it. I'm going to be accountable to it because I'm, I'm one up here and I'm having to teach you. I can't just tell you what you want to hear all the time. 
I can't just tell you, give you the, the latest TED Talk all the time. You listen, we need God's Word. Think biblically, right? I've got a responsibility. Peyton's got a responsibility. Joe has a responsibility. He's going to be teaching First Peter in here. And he can't just make it sound what he wants it to sound like. Older men, you have a responsibility to the church. You have a responsibility to be lead by your examples. Older ladies, didn't leave you out. Man, it seems like y'all got a lot more responsibilities to me. All right? And you're responsible for the younger women in this church. Over and over again, we see this phrase, one another. hundred times in the New Testament, it says one another. Fifty-nine of those are commands that have been given to us and how we are to relate to and not relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And never once does it say, look, I have responsibility to one another unless I have to wear a mask. Unless I don't like some opinionated issue. We're responsible for each other. We're a community of people. And so we say, look, you want to be a part of this church? This is what it's about. Your spiritual gifts. We have spiritual gifts. We need to talk about that more. And the leadership, we need to talk about that more with the church. But Joe's going to get into it sometime. He can tell you what it's all about, right, Joe? Uh, but look, he says, look, we are to serve one another. How? He says, as good stewards. Based on what? This gift that you receive. We're to be these managers. But we're also to be good stewards of our material blessings. Now, some of y'all are like, whoa, 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 back up. It's okay when you're talking about this other stuff, but now you're talking about my money. That's why we said, what's principle number one? God owns everything. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 7. This is a warning that was given to Israel. I think it's a warning for all of us. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and my might... The, the might, uh, uh, and the, might, the might, should be might, of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You ever hear that out there? You ever hear people just very arrogant? You know what? I am where I am because of me. But here is what the counsel is given to them in, in the very next verse. He says, look, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. It is God who gives you intellect it is God who gives you opportunities it is God who gives you abilities folks you need to understand where it comes from you need to understand where it comes from there are more than 2,000 Bible verses that talk about these these material blessings that we have in our lives and it talks about all kinds of things from being generous to sharing our resources to uh, you know bringing our, our our gifts to God to caring for the poor God has a lot to say about our money. God is the source of all our resources, and we are the managers of those resources. And when we think this way, it changes everything. And God continually tried to do this with his people. Exodus 13:1, the Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. 
Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and a beast, is mine. Whose is it? He says it's mine, right? And so here's something interesting. Every time God talked about tithing in Scripture, he never said give. He always said bring. You know why? Because you can't give something you don't own. He says, bring to me a portion of these blessings that I've blessed you with. He goes on in verses 12 and 13. He says, you shall set apart to the Lord all that the first opens a womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are male shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. For every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So he says, look, the very first part is God owns it all. And now he says, here's your responsibilities. Now, look, I get it. This is not the kind of language we usually use, right? Uh, and, you know, if I were to say to you, listen, you need to give the firstborn of your animals, uh, things like that, probably some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, you know what? I did have a cat one time, got into the neighbor's yard, and next thing I know, had kittens. And, and in fact, not only am I willing to give the firstborn, I'll give the whole litter, right? That's not the same scenario here. It's a different kind of language because, you know, in, in breaking a donkey's neck, listen, it, there's something happening here, and we'll talk more about that when we go. But what I want you to see here is why first? Why first? Because first is where our faith is. It'd be a lot easier if the Lord said, listen, I'm going to give you, you know, after you've had 10, 10 lambs, give one of them. It's a lot easier than saying, I want you to give me your first one. It'd be a lot easier if the Lord said, listen, uh, why don't you give me the one that keeps getting in your garden and keeps, you know, messing stuff up. The one that's, you know, a little off, you know what I'm talking about. That would be a lot easier. But he says, I want you to give me your first. Because that's where your faith is. And it's your faith that, will, that God's going to bring the blessing. Set aside. Here's the principle. This is what he's saying. He's saying set aside these financial offerings to God before you start paying your bills. Because that takes faith. So there's these principles. Principle of ownership, and he's put us in charge, therefore we have responsibilities. And with responsibilities come the principle of accountability. Anytime you're given responsibility, you're going to have to be accountable for it. And all of these wonderful things that God has blessed us with in our lives, including the world in which we live, he says, you are going to be held accountable. We are to manage God's creation in accordance with the principles that he has laid out before us. And it's one of the powerful lessons that we find with Adam and Eve, isn't it, in Genesis. How did sin enter the garden? It's through their willful abandonment of God's commandment and trusting in their own wisdom. And how did that work out for them? You just follow the stories. That's what you're supposed to do through Genesis 1 through 11. Follow the stories. Humanity began using God's creation as a tool to get what they want. To get the things that they desired. And the world is just upside down. We are accountable for how we treat God's creation. We are accountable for every time we decide to throw a piece of trash out the window driving down the road. We are responsible 
for not taking care of the things that we have been given and the responsibilities that we are given as a community of people. We Parents, you are accountable for the way you raise your children. You just are. They're put in your home to be overseers over, to manage them. And if you don't do that, then it's not only going to be very bad for you and, and hurtful for you, it's going to hurt that child and it's going to hurt our society. And we see it every day, don't we? We're responsible for our spouses. We are responsible Christians. We are accountable to each other. And when we use those unkind words, and when we use divisive language, and when we're unwilling to help others, when we take advantage of other people, there will be an accounting. When all we want to do is come once a week, or once a month, or whatever it is, come in, get my church fixed, and go on and not have anything to do with my church family, you are held accountable for that. Because God has blessed each one of us in different ways in order to be here for one another. Why did God accept Abel's sacrifice but not Cain's? You ever thought about that before? Well, I'll let you look at it yourself. So here, here's what it says here. Do you notice anything that's different? It says about Cain's or Abel's offering that you don't see in Cain's offering. Do you see it? Abel's offering, yeah. Okay. Do you see it? First. Yeah. So, so Abel brings the firstborn of his flock. And some people say, no, 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 Cain, listen, the, the problem that he had is he didn't bring a flock. He didn't bring an animal sacrifices. Well, that's because you don't understand sacrifices very well. That's why we need to dig into the Old Testament a little bit, because it's more than just firstborn. It's also first fruits. He just brought the fruit. He didn't bring the first fruits. Abel brought the first fruits. And therefore, Cain just brought whatever he wanted, when he wanted, and how he wanted. And God said, you know what? I'm not accepting it. I'm just not accepting it. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 5, whoops, uh, well, believe me, in Malachi chapter 3 and in verse 5, let's see, do I have it? Uh, no, okay. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, God accuses the people of robbing them of their tithes, God of, of, with their tithes. How can you rob them? Because God owns it. He owns it. That's how he says, you rob me. And really what you're robbing me, it's not a matter of the Lord saying, well, you know what? I've got to pay rent up here in heaven myself, and I've got a mortgage to pay. No, God owns everything. So why is this a big deal? Because what you're really robbing them of, and if you go on and you see in, chapter, in, in Malachi 3 and verse 10, he says, what you're really robbing me of is being able to bless you. God, because God wants to bless his creation. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, and I heard it somewhere else, so I'm not a genius, which I didn't have to tell you that, but just in case you're visiting here. Um, but listen, 90% of what you are blessed with and, and bringing it, and this 90% with God's blessings, you will end up with more than if you have 100% of what you make without God's blessings. 90% with God's blessings, you will end up more than with 100% of what you take home. 
And, and you know what God says in Malachi 3? He says, test me. See if, I'm, see if what I'm telling you isn't true. You bring me your first. You bring me your first. And guess what? It's part of our church covenant, which I had up there at one point. I don't know what happened. Tracy and technology. But anyway, it is. It's part of our, so about part of our church covenant. And it begins with really how we manage our money. Hear that? You ever, have you ever heard that phrase before? Manage your money. What is that? It's a stewardship term. It's a stewardship term. Now listen, I know there are people out here that are doing everything they can. They're working two or three jobs in order to just try to make it by in this world. They're not making enough where they are in order to, for the things that they need at times because things are difficult. Housing prices, if you don't know, they've gone so far up that it's, it's taking people out of affordable housing. You may not have heard this, but inflation is way up. It, 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 we get that. Sometimes there are unexpected medical expenses. And I don't want you to go home and think, oh great, I'm cursed. Because God's not legalistic. What God really wants from you is, his, is, is your heart. That's it. That's what God wants. And, and these, these things that we're talking about here, this all has to do with their heart. And what I'm really talking about is the mismanagement of money, where you end up in debt, you end up going paycheck to paycheck because you're just mismanaging it all. Because you like to stay on QVC, or for you younger people, you like to stay on Amazon. And it is exciting when you get all those things in the mail, right? You like the newest, you like the, the nicest stuff, you don't set a budget, you don't live within your means. Materialism, folks, it is killing our world. And it is killing our testimony as Christians when we, are, we get ourselves caught up in this materialism. And listen, if you are an American, you're going to struggle with materialism more, more than likely. And you may have lots of money in the bank, but you can still struggle with materialism. And, and, and you know, you got all this, and, and instead of sharing it with others and helping other people when they need that help and helping some good organizations and, and things of that sort, I mean, you just... You, you just, you know, just think about all the things that I could be doing with my stuff, my money. What's principle number one? God owns everything. Have you ever thought that you have the blessings that you have, the material blessings that you have, because God has blessed you? God has given it to you because he wants you to do something good with it. That's the, hear these principles? The principle of ownership responsibility, accountability, and you've already seen it, reward, right? The principle of reward. Hey, we got to end, end positive, right? So you can turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. You can see it for yourself. Jesus gives this great parable of the talents. And if you don't know what a talent is, it's a type of Greek currency. And there is this wealthy landowner, and, and he's going to go away for a time being. And, and so he brings in three of his servants, and so he gives one of them five talents, and he gives another one two talents, and then he gives another one one talent. And to kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about with these talents, he, dis, he, he doles out almost $2 million based on our currency today. And so the guy with the five talent and the guy with the two talent, they go out, doesn't tell us exactly what they do, maybe they set up some kind of business, and they double what the master had given them. 
Now, all of a sudden, the five-talent guy, he's got ten talents. The two-talent guy, he's got four talents. But then there was a guy with one talent. And he just goes in the backyard, digs a hole, puts it in there. And he waits for the master to come home. He doesn't lose it. He just buries it. And so the master does come home. And now it's time, the owner who gave them responsibility to have this accounting. And he sees these, this guy with, that turned five into ten and, and the two into four. And he tells them both the same thing there. If you were to look at verses 21 through 23, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things, and I'm going to put you in charge of many more things. He says, Come and share in your master's joy, because that's where, that's where it's at. Now, here, here are these guys, they were given different talents. This guy brought home a whole lot more than this guy, but they, these two are told the exact same thing. You know why? Because it's really not about, about the amount. It's about the faithfulness. It's about, it's about being responsible for the giftedness. They are rewarded. Now, the one talent guy, he makes excuses, didn't, didn't go over real well. If you look at verse 26, he says to him, you're wicked and you are lazy. In verse 30, he says, you're useless. You're worthless. He says, you could have at least put it in the bank, let it draw some interest. He said, but you didn't do that. You just, you didn't lose it, but you didn't use it. He says, you ought to be, you ought to be cast out into outer darkness. What do we do when God has blessed us with abilities and gifts and all of these things, and we don't use them? Maybe we don't use them for evil, but we're just not using them at all. But he says, listen, if you will be faithful, if you will manage and oversee these things with, with God's blessings, he's, he says, I, I want to reward you. I want to. I want to. If you're a good steward of the earth, the earth is going to reward you with its goodness. If we absolutely rape the earth of its resources, we're going to pay for that. But if we look at the earth and we realize what God has really given to us, it will always care for us. If you are a good manager of your home, People in your family, they will always be loyal to you. They will love you. They will care for you. If you're faithful to your church family, you don't get up and leave over the first little I don't agree with thing, and you just realize these are opportunities that we can, we can care for each other, I promise you this. He brings a community that continues to love us, and there will never be anyone here that will ever have want, whether it be of physical things or whether it be of emotional things, and because, because we're, we're a people who are always here for each other. Ownership, responsibility, accountability, and reward. 
Some of you, you may feel some guilt as we've gone through this lesson, depending on which, what, whatever it is. Maybe there's several things. I'm here to tell you, guilt's okay. Guilt's not a bad thing. Guilt is simply letting you know there's something that's not right. As long as you don't live in it. I'm not talking about, you know, well, I just don't care anymore. That's not, no, no. I'm talking about, you know why? This is an area I need to work on in my life. So what I say to you is simply this. What is it that we've talked about here today that you realize you have not been a good steward of God? Write it down. Just write your list. And then every day this week, pray about it. Ask God to help you. Help him to reveal those things. And listen, if it's something even like financial, and it's like you just don't understand. I can't, I can't get back to where I need to be in a week. That's okay. But listen, let us help you. Let us help. We've got people here who are great at finances. They would love to sit down with you. They're, they're not going to browbeat you. They just simply want to say, okay, look, let's just look at everything, and let's figure out a way for you to be a better steward of your finances. If you're not a good husband or a good wife, if you're not a good parent, then come to it. We've got some fantastic parents and, and couples in this church, and they'd love to sit down with you and, and say, listen, here are some things that may help. Let's talk about these things, because that's what we do as a community. We help each other. That's all about being stewards of one another, right? What is it about your life right now that you say, I have not been a good steward of what God has blessed me with in my life? And then do something about it. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus or not? That's what this comes down to. Now I'm going to conclude by going back to this principle that we found in Exodus, I mean in Exodus 13, how he talked about the firstborn donkey and, and, and the lamb and all that, that crazy talk, right? Well, under the law, there was clean animals and unclean animals. And an unclean animal had to be redeemed by a clean animal. It had to be sacrificed. And you say, well, that just sounds gross. I mean, why would we do that? How is that? But listen, listen, some t listen, those things at times that sound so crazy, it's pointing to something that's bigger. And what it's pointing to is Jesus. Jesus is the first, the greatest. The, he is all uh, that the Father has given to us. And he came to this earth and he died for us. He became the sacrifice to redeem us who were unclean. You see that? And what God is asking us to do with the firstborn and the first fruits and, and all of these things, He's not asking you to do something that He wasn't willing to do. In fact, He took a greater sacrifice to give us and to bring us into His blessings. And if you don't have that, please don't leave here today without sitting down talking with someone. I, I'm going to be over in the fellowship hall right after this, the Founders Hall. And, and I, anybody that wants to talk about Jesus, anybody that's like, okay, well, I don't have time today, but you know what? I've, I've got my calendar. Tell me, tell me when you can, we can get together. Let's talk about it. Because that's what our Lord has done for us. He wants to save us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this day and we just thank you for all of the wonderful blessings 
that you've bestowed upon us, whether it is our material wealth or whether it be our families or whether it be our friends or whether it be our church families. Father, there's just so much out here that we, we can look at and say, we are, we are so blessed. And, and Father, just help us to see it all for what it is and to, for us to see you for who you are and that you are the one who gives it all to us. Father, help us stir our hearts. Maybe those, Father, that their hearts are stirring right now, Father, just continue to prick their hearts. Help them to, help them to realize that there's reward, there's blessing in all of this. It's... So, Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your son died and he rose again and he became the firstborn of the resurrection that we are promised one day when he comes again. And so, Father, we just come before you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.